Hi, it's JP Mac, and welcome to Liberty Relearn, not just another conservative blog. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. As I speak these words, it is still the 2nd of April, 2023, and so not much in the news to talk about. So, now of course, of being facetious, there's a couple of major stories. Um, one of them being the unfortunate shooting, which occurred uh, last week in a school in Nashville, where a, uh, a person went into the school and shot five other persons before being shot by the police herself. The person in this case seems to have been a trans activist, and the school was a Christian school. So I don't think it takes much of a detective to kind of figure out a possible motive in this um, scenario. Um, I believe that the person who, the, the woman who did the attack, did the shooting, uh, believed herself to be under, and her community under some sort of attack by the right. And, of course, this Christian school, which she had matriculated at uh, earlier in her life um, as a student, she uh, believed these people who represented some sort of existential uh, threat to her and people like her. And so, anyhow, it seems would, you know, a normal person would call us a, a clear-cut um, tragedy, and there's and there's a clear-cut bad person and a, a clear-cut innocent victim. But that's not how the mainstream media is portraying it. They are um, taking pains to sympathize with the shooter and not with the victim. A lot of them are wondering, or one, you know, wondering aloud if the trans community in that area isn't in danger or shouldn't be afraid. Uh, no word whether or not the Christian community in that same area should be afraid. After all, uh, five people had died from that community. Uh, but no, the mainstream media is worried about the uh, shooter. Um, whether, whether the trans community in Nashville and uh, Tennessee um, were in danger. Um, I don't know. If, if you kill, go to a Christian school and kill five innocent people there, um, that might be cause for other Christians to be concerned but apparently, that's not what the mainstream media is focused on. And so that's one of the items that happened in the news recently. Another item that happened also recently, this past week, just happened, is that Donald Trump was indicted by a New York uh, grand jury. And, of course, 
Uh, this has been expected for a couple weeks now. I think it was a couple weeks ago, Donald Trump put it out in Truth Social about he how he believed he would be um, arrested that coming Tuesday. Well, that Tuesday came and went. He wasn't arrested. And the jury kind of dithered and the DA dithered. Um, but a, a uh, indictment was announced recently. And so that's what I'm going to focus on right now is that story. Um, not that the other story, other main story in the news about the shooting isn't worthy, but I want to concentrate on this one in particular right now. And because when, when you hear it, one gets a, may get a strange sense of deja vu. Like maybe you've heard a story, something like this before, where a popular uh, yet controversial uh, political figure was targeted by a certain group for uh, basically lawfare. Um, frivolous lawsuits and accusations and charges uh, levied against them. And so earlier I was going back uh, through some of my early, early posts for Liberty Relearned um, because Liberty Relearned's 8th anniversary is coming up this week on the 6th. The 6th of April represents the very first um, issue or story that came out, the inauguration of LibertyRelearn.com, and we've been going ever since then. And so some of these topics I'm trying to look at uh, from the past, from particularly year one of Liberty Relearn, you know, that was before I did a Rumble broadcast and even before I did a uh, podcast and so a lot of these things only ever appeared in print up until now and so this gives me a chance to kind of go back to some of the old favorites uh, some of them um, have aged uh, fairly well and some better than others and some of them uh, finally or suddenly find themselves apropos to something that's going on today. And so this story that I wrote back in April of 2015, um, this is one of those stories. Now, if you can recall back then in 2015, though it seems like a million years ago, but uh, Scott Walker was the governor at that point in the state of Wisconsin, he was a Republican, and he made a, a few controversial, to say the least, decisions. Uh, some of them regarding the budget of his state, and others in particular. Uh, here we talk about, you know, he made some decisions about the teachers' unions and how they would operate in his state. And... As you could imagine, that really angered some people in the teachers' union, and they really acted out. 
remember uh, several of the Democrat legislatures fled the state and went to a neighboring state, I think uh, Minnesota, for a few weeks to avoid the state house being able, the state assembly to uh, have a quorum, or they wanted to do, deny the state assembly enough people to have a quorum or, you know, to do the, the people's business in Wisconsin. And so they fled. And so a lot of theatrics, of course, and not much has changed with regards to either the left or the Democrats. Uh, and they're almost interchangeable at this point. But this does relate to a, you know, the, the Trump indictment. Um, like I said, it gives one a sense of deja vu. And so when I read this, um, keep in mind, you know, keep in the back of your mind what's going on right now with this uh, New York DA and the basically trumped up charges that will probably fail in a court of law. And so I'm just going to read this posting from LibertyRelearn.com back in April of 2015. Uh, and it's called A Chilling Case of Apparent Political Intimidation in Wisconsin. In his article to appear in the May 4th issue of National Review, so that would have been May 4th of 2015, David French gives a chilling report of an apparently politically motivated raid on the home of Cindy Archer, who helped craft the, quote, Wisconsin Budget Bill, officially known as Wisconsin's Act 10, the highly controversial law limits the collective bargaining activity and benefits for the state's public employee unions. He described how armed agents came to her house in the middle of the night, banging on her door, demanding she let them in. When she did, they went through her house looking not for drugs or illegal arms, but evidence of campaign finance violations, embezzlement, and sexual misconduct, hardly offenses worthy of such strong-arm policy police tactics. Not when a simple knock on the door during the, night, during the light of day would no doubt suffice. And so maybe something of this sounds familiar, maybe Mar-a-Lago a few months ago. The investigators reportedly left with a laptop and a cell phone. The homes of several other conservative supporters of Governor Walker were similarly raided. Archer and the other conservative activists whose homes were raided were all warned to remain silent about the raids and home searches. They were not to even inform their lawyers. All right, so right away you see something very fishy is happening here or happened here in this incident. And by the way, there's rumors that uh, a New York judge is going to put a attempt to put a gag order on Trump about his current charges or or whatnot. 
probably just goading him into um, doing another, you know, misdemeanor offense against the court. You know, so give him, give, uh, you know, trying to create conditions for uh, Trump to be in contempt of court. So I think they're going to, ironically, uh, put a gag order or a, a uh, hush order on him. All right. So continuing going on, um, the raids, according to the article, were called for by a partisan political opponent of Governor Walker's, District Attorney John Chisholm, a Democrat, well, again, a little deja vu here, right? Uh, starting as an embezzlement investigation, Chisholm expanded his investigation to include many of Walker's allies. This expansion coincided with the protests against an eventual passage of Wisconsin's Act 10. Whatever probable cause the Wisconsin law enforcement may have had to search the homes of these individuals, it would seem that these drug raid style searches were carried out in a manner intended for maximum intimidation. As traumatizing as these raids would have been to the occupants at the time, perhaps more alarming were the warnings not to say a word, not even to their lawyers. What? The Sixth Amendment guarantees our right to cancel, the first, our right to free speech. The Constitution does not allow for these rights to be abridged if the alleged offenders happen to be your political enemies. This is the kind of thing you'd expect to hear about happening in some third world dictatorship or in a Cold War era Eastern Bloc country, not the United States. Shameful. And so again... Uh, when you hear about the things going on with regards to Trump's indictment, uh, none of this none of this is new. This is the sort of things that Democrats have been pulling for at least eight years now, for as long as I've been doing uh, a podcast or a blog. Um, so this is nothing new. They're trying they're trying to intimidate Scott Walker, and of course. You know, he ran afoul of of the t very powerful teachers' union, which, you know, this is mainly about uh, the, the teachers' union, I think the public sector union. They basically occupied the uh, Wisconsin State House for several days, and they had a protest, and they kept any business from being carried out. Again... Um, so fast forward a few years later, you have similar protest in the U.S. Um, uh, U.S. Congress in the U.S. Capitol, and oh my gosh, it's the end of democracy. Well, the Democrats, of course, weren't worried about the end of democracy uh, back in 2015 when they did the exact same thing, and also recently. Uh, connecting to the other story in the news, uh, you had the Tennessee State House, and I think the Kentucky State House also. They were occupied by mobs of um, what probably considered left-leaning uh, trans activists. So again, 
a little bit of inconsistency about who the Democrats decide is a threat to democracy and who are just uh, airing their legitimate grievances by uh, taking over uh, various state houses or various uh, legislatures for, you know, to do their own political purposes. Uh, you know, apparently it's the end of democracy worse than 9-11 and uh, World War Two and Pearl Harbor combined when it comes to a threat to democracy when, it, when uh, Republican uh, sympathizers uh, do such a thing. Um, but it's a totally different, it's totally okay when the uh, Wisconsin, in this case, the Wisconsin Democrats and Wisconsin Union leaders there are mad. That's fine. And it's fine when uh, trans right activists do the same thing. Uh, present day in 2023, that's fine. The only time it's not fine, apparently, right, is when it happens in the U.S. Capitol. And then everybody that was involved gets caught up in this dragnet and held for a very long time. Uh, some apparently have yet to have had their day in court. So, yeah, the... The uh, Democrats would seem to be rather inconsistent on applying this principle, you know, clutching their pearls in outrage when uh, legislatures are taken over. Now, I would provide, I would prefer no legislatures, you know, either the U.S. or a state legislature be taken over or occupied or anything of the sort. I would rather the uh, grieved parties petition their legislatures or the U.S. Congress um, as ways that are prescribed in the Constitution and the constitutions of their respective states. You know, let them protest but not interfere with the actions. Um, the whole idea is that the, that the people uh, get to be heard in the legislature's um, but they cannot interfere with the legislatures themselves. There, there's a way, there's a process, a civilized way to make your grievance heard. Apparently that doesn't matter to the, those on the left or Democrats. Now, as I said before on this podcast, if you've been listening for a while, you know, this may seem like this kind of activity or actions or or whatever stance would be hypocritical, right? You're you're condemning it uh, one when one side does it, and you don't condemn it when your own side does it. Um, but from the point of view of the Democrats and the left, they're being totally consistent because, in their mind. What they're doing is completely justified, and what the uh, Republicans or Trump supporters might protest over is inherently unjust. And the justness of their art of their positions is what dictates whether or not you're allowed to or not. In other words, 
the Democrats and the left put themselves above other people, both morally and legally. They see themselves as the legitimate betters of maybe people like you and me, if you happen to be a libertarian or a conservative. So in their mind, there's no inconsistency at all. In their mind, it's just whoever just gets excused, whoever is unjust does not get excused. Of course, we know how that's going to play out. And so it's interesting when you hear about the alleged abuse of power. I think pretty much, you know, alleged as being nice um, with the part of the New York District Attorney. You know, it's a very flimsy case. You know, the statute of limitation was up years ago on the case of you know, just to briefly summarize, in case you've been under a rock for the last few weeks, if not the last few years, um, the accusation was that uh, Trump paid hush money, quote-unquote, hush money, in other words, a uh, legal um, non-disclosure agreement, you know, okay, uh, a legal agreement, not to, not to talk about whatever happened between him and Stormy Daniels. That's completely illegal. And, but what they, and this was all hashed out years ago. And the New York DA at the time and the federal government decided that nothing was to come of this. They didn't have a case. And then they're, but they're trying to uh, tie this to ca- campaign finance laws because the rationale is that if it's if you're misrepresenting uh, business records, that's a misdemeanor. But if you do it in the name of violating uh, campaign finance laws, then it's a felony. Um, of course, these would be federal finance laws, and so they are. You know, this DA is a little bit confused between his role as a state DA and uh, what a federal prosecutor would do. Because the federal prosecutors, the DOJ, decided that there was not enough there there to warrant pursuing, further pursuing of the case, of the um, the improperness of uh, him paying Stormy Daniels and then ca- calling it a... A contribution, you know, they they said that it should have been listed as a contribution, a political contribution to the campaign. Um, But they knew they had a weak case then. They still have a weak case now. That didn't stop this New York DA from proceeding ahead anyhow. So, you know, this reminds me of the uh, Soviet uh, chief of... I think state security or, or the secret police, um, Beria, when he said, show me the man and I will find you the crime. And so that is indeed what has happened here. Um, the Democrats in this case showed the New York DA 
um, the man, Donald Trump. And so the DA uh, showed them the crime. And so he followed exactly, it, it turns out, uh, Beria's dictum of show me the man and I will show you the crime. Okay, so if you want a little bit of recap, other than what I just gave you, a little bit more detail into the Trump indictment, um, any number of good articles on it. This one comes from Fox News. It's called Trump Indicted After Manhattan DA Probe for Hush Money Payments. Again, I don't like this, them. This is Fox News, supposed to be conservative-leaning and they're repeating this hush money term that um, that feeds into the narrative of the Democrats. Um, it's a non-disclosure agreement, completely legal. Um, but they insist on calling it hush money because that sounds better, more dramatic. Um, so a little bit disappointed when they continue to uh, use kind of that talking point there. So that's my criticism. But other than that, um, it's a pretty, ma pretty much matter-of-fact um, recap. So let's uh, go into uh, some of the basics. Um, and so this is uh, some of the latest. This is coming from Fox News again by... Uh, Brooke Singman and Marta Dennis. Uh, so, former President Trump has been indicted as part of the Manhattan District Attorney's Office's year-long investigation, possibly for hush money payments. Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg has been investigating Trump for hush money payments made leading up to the 2016 presidential election. And these include $130,000 payment made to the adult film actress Stormy Daniels and $150,000 payment made to former Playboy model Karen McDougal. Fox News Digital has learned. Hush money payments made to both McDougal and Daniels were revealed and reported by Fox News in 2018. Those payments had been investigated by the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Southern District of New York and Federal Election Commission. Um, so to sum up what happened, nothing happened. But uh, fast-forwarding a little bit in the article, uh, Bragg, when he took over as district attorney in January of 2022. By the way, he, his campaign was funded by a George Soros um, entity. And so this entity, I forget the name of it, gave money to Bragg's uh, election and um, basically uh, Soros backfilled the money they, they promised to um, to spend a million dollars on Bragg's election on his campaign uh, a couple days after 
they announce that uh, Soros puts in a million dollars and voila, uh, Bragg now has a million dollars in his campaign coffers, uh, thanks in large part to George Soros. But anyway, getting off track here, uh, Bragg, when he took over as district attorney in January of 2022, stopped pursuing charges against Trump and suspended the investigation indefinitely, according to one of the top prosecutors who resigned from the office in protest. Prosecutors Mark Pomerantz and Kerry Dean who had been leading the investigation under former DA Cyrus Vance, submitted their resignation after Bragg began raising doubts about pursuing a case against Trump. So, seems like Bragg knows and knew at the time, and probably still does, that he has no case there, there's no there there. But there's a lot of pressure, of course, from his donors and the people who got him in the office and other Democrats to pursue this case. Because why not? They have Trump derangement syndrome and they hate Donald Trump above anything else. And, you know, a little abuse of the law, you know, never deterred them. Um, so continuing on. Uh, Trump earlier this month cited reports which were based on what he called, quote, illegal leaks that suggested he could be arrested on Tuesday, March 21st. Trump posted about those reports on his Truth Social, leading the House Judiciary Committee to intervene, demanding Bragg testify before the panel. Republican lawmakers and allies of Trump blasted the investigation as a political prosecution and a, quote, weaponization of the office of district attorney. Bragg last week claimed that Trump's, quote, quote, created a false expectation that his arrest was imminent, citing the former president's truth social post and slammed the committee for making an unprecedented inquiry into a pending local, local prosecution. Uh, so let's break that down a little bit. So yeah, the uh, House Republicans said, hey, wait a minute, we, we need to hear from you uh, to fig Mr. Bragg um, to figure out exactly what's going on. Why are you pursuing these, this case First of all, long after the statute of limitations has expired, um, at least on the improper, you know, giving uh, false business reports, um, that part had, had expired. And so they, they called him in wondering about it. Um, the other part, um, where he said, where it says, you know, it is a political... Uh, prosecution and a weaponization of the Office of District Attorney, um, I think any fair-minded person would agree with this. And as what happened with uh, Scott Walker back in Wisconsin, they had a lot of these trumped-up charges and used that as a pretext to uh, hassle not just him, but his political allies. 
and of course they raided these people some of the people's houses in these early morning raids and scaring the heck out of the members of the family and so here we are uh nearly eight years later and the democrats are still up to their same old tricks using political intimidation and persecution um particularly when they know they don't have the votes and they don't have the wherewithal to get their policies enacted you know they lost all hope of that when the you know during the midterms when the new congress was elected and the democrats were kicked out so now they're refocusing on persecuting Donald Trump and that's pretty much all this is um everybody you've heard of um at least I've heard online that you know have any kind of you know whose input I would value like uh Alan Dershowitz the famous uh law professor and a uh, lawyer you know, he said um, that basically there's no case. Uh, he's really, this brag is really stretching the law to get this. Because, first of all, you have a state law which has basically expired in statute of limitations. Um, and a federal law. And he's trying to connect this case to a federal law. Well, first of all, neither case was very strong and he doesn't you know how is he going to explain legally how he's trying to do this um sooner or later i mean he yeah he can get away with it in some uh maybe even federal court you know located in new york state but you know once it gets you know it's not going to get probably to the supreme court but even if it does uh, make it out of the federal appeal system and into the Supreme Court. Um, that's where all this nonsense ends. And Bragg knows it. Everybody knows it. Um, but this is just dramatic. You know, they're trying, they've been fantasizing the Democrats for over, you know, five years now about seeing, um, Donald Trump being frog marched into the courthouse and being handcuffed and processed by the police and all that. Um, I hate to disappoint, but Donald Trump is still a former president. He still does enjoy Secret Service protection. And so this whole photo op of them, of President Trump being let in, uh, frog marched in with handcuffs and, you know, the orange jumpsuit and everything they've been fantasizing. They're probably not going to um, get. So I think they're going to be a little bit disappointed um, with that. So, you know, it's not, you know, your fantasy and your reality and expectations, you know, are not going to meet, I don't think, in this case. And that's too bad for you being sarcastic of course um so what is going to happen he's going to go in 
to the courthouse. He's going to be processed. There's going to be Secret Service by his side the entire time. He's not going to be put in a jail cell. Um, almost, I can almost guarantee you that. And they're probably not even going to handcuff him. They're going to take his mug, mug shot. You know, obviously that will be public. You know, it will certainly leak. Um, if it's not legal, I don't know if it's legal to publish a mugshot of somebody, but those things always leak anyhow. So, you know, they're going to get their mugshot and that's going to be it. That's probably going to be the high watermark of their, um, Trump derangement fantasy. And so there's people who suffer from Trump derangement syndrome. I'm just telling you, prepare to be disappointed. Okay, because all these images you had in your mind are uh, probably not going to happen. Um, but, you know, and really, what is that to be proud of anyhow? What, what did you do? And... So, you know, let's think about that for a second. What, what did you do? What did you accomplish? Well, you had a... Well, first of all, you have Donald Trump, who you've accused of being a Putin stooge, a stooge of the Russians. And so what do you do? You do a Putin-esque... Um, take out of a political adversary and arrest them. Uh, something that's straight out of the pages of the Soviet Union and uh, Beria and Putin and Stalin. You know, most recently Putin, of course, taking out his political opponents, sometimes through lawfare, sometimes through arrests, and sometimes through other means. We'll just leave at that. And so it's interesting they accused him of being a stooge of Putin and the Russians, and yet they do something straight out of Vladimir Putin's playbook. They attempt to take out a political adversary by having them arrested on trumped-up, if you know, flimsy, if not trumped-up charges. And so, you know, nice slow hand clap, you know, you... You've really um, done something to be proud of, you folks on the left. Yeah, this is, you know, by the way, keep doing it because every time you do it, you show people who you really are, who you're really about. You don't care about the law. You know, you didn't care about the law in 2015. Uh, in the case of Scott Walker in Wisconsin, you don't care about the law. Now, uh, all you want is to get your headlines and get that. Um, all you're pretty much probably going to get is a um, photo of him, you know, a mugshot of President Trump. And he's probably going to have his hair all done nice. He's going to have a nice suit, so he's going to look nice for his mugshot. And they will probably make a t-shirt out of it. And, of course, that will be a huge meme describing just how out of line 
and how uh, much the left and the Democrats have jumped the shark with this political persecution of Donald Trump. Uh, you're making him into a hero. Um, you know, even people who are not excited about Trump running again, uh, you know, Republicans not not excited about Trump running again, well, they're going to see this and, you know, they're going to circle the wagons around Trump now. And so... Basically, I think this turns out to be a victory in the end for Donald Trump. Now, what they may be trying to do, what I suspect is they want to keep Donald Trump uh, tied up in legal um, things, you know, in court cases, in this court case, because if he's impairing in court, he can out. He cannot be out on the campaign trail. And so I think the uh, DA here would like to take this to trial. as He wants this to last a very long time. Probably, I don't know if this even gets to trial. Um, You know, better legal minds than mine could comment on that. I wouldn't be surprised if it gets shot down by a judge and saying, no, no, you're not bringing this case before, um, you know, my court. You know, any reasonable judge would probably say that. A lot of judges would probably say that. But this is New York, and it's it's probably going to be a Manhattan-based judge. So, you know, they have their own idea of law, um, particularly in blue states. So I wouldn't count on that, even though it's what should happen. The the judge should just look at this and say, you know, get this out of my court. I have no jurisdiction here to try a federal election uh, case in this courtroom. So either get a conviction on the federal side about this um, court case and then come back. And then, we'll, then we can talk about uh, joining this um reviving this other payoff case regarding Stormy Daniels and the and the uh, lawyer and stuff. But that's what should happen, probably will eventually happen. But in the meantime, I think um, they're, they're not going to get their, their moment fantasized, long fantasized about of Trump winding up in a jail cell somewhere. That's almost certainly not going to happen. Probably not good for the Republic if it does happen. Probably very bad. Um, but probably not very good. Uh, it's not a good look on you if you have to resort to such tactics. So again, you know, bravo. You've just done the sort exact sort of thing that uh, Vladimir Putin, whom you say you hate, you've just done the exact same sort of thing that he does to his political opponents. So now that makes you no better than he. You know, except maybe uh, other, you know, the political opponents don't get disappeared in that case. But other than that, 
you know, you're inching closer, you're making um, a very unfavorable comparison with yourself with the likes of Vladimir Putin and Joseph Stalin and, and any of these other dictators, the third world dictators or communist dictators, you know, Hugo Chavez, you know, this is the sort of thing that you see in Venezuela and uh, places like that. So congratulations, uh, you've sunk to an all-time new low, um, and I think that is going to uh, rise up and bite you in the butt in 2024. Um, because any Democrat running for 2024 in 2024, be it, uh, Biden or somebody else is going to have to explain why they did this sort of thing that appears, uh, appeals only to their base, all only to those with Trump derangement syndrome, not going to get anybody in the middle, um, on your side. And it's really a bad look. But, you know, I guess in for a penny, in for a pound, they don't care. They got what they wanted in this case. So congratulations. Don't be surprised, Democrats, when this comes back to bite you in the elections. Okay, and this in other political news, uh, this is being reported by John Solomon of John Solomon Reports, and uh, he's saying that former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson announces 24 presidential run. Uh, this is a run that has virtually no chance of succeeding, and I, honestly, when I read the report, um, first of all, it, you know, I, I was vaguely aware that there was somebody named uh, Asa Hutchinson, and I think he was aware, uh, you know, may have been aware that he was a governor at some point in Arkansas. <clears throat> um, but there has been no, um, you know, there's been no cry for him. There's no been no push for him to campaign for president, you know, even, you know, I had to look up, um, actually in the story just, just to make sure that he was a Republican. I was like, is he coming? Is he, is he announcing for Democrats? Like, but it's Arkansas so it's probably a Republican. Yeah, he is a Republican. Um, he has no achievements of note. I mean, I'm sure he was not a bad governor in Arkansas. I mean, after all, he is a Republican. So he was probably not a horrible governor of Arkansas. But I don't think there was any call for him to um, enter the race. So I don't know why he did it. Maybe it's ego. Maybe he's looking for spot and you know he wants to be secretary of state or vp or something like that a lot of people you know a lot of these second tier candidates 
launched their candidacy with hopes of becoming vice president or having a spot in the cabinet. Sometimes it works out. Um, sometimes it doesn't, but that's probably what he's angling for. I mean, not, you know, not to impugn his motives or to guess, but, um, I can't imagine there, you know, he's not known really particularly outside of Arkansas, but, you know, if he wants to run, you know, it's free countries qualified. Um, okay, let's hear what you, you want to do. I think, um, you know, there was more of a call for Nikki Haley, former government of South South Carolina, for you know, former governor there. Um, she went on become to become the UN ambassador. Did pretty good in that role. Served in the Trump administration, and you know, she was a pretty good, I think, uh, governor in South Carolina. There was more of a call for her to run for election than there was for Asa Hutchinson. So we'll see. Um, this is one of those things I think, he, you know, he's going to run out of money very quickly. You know, the primaries really is game of campaign funding. And really, if no one's donating to your campaign, no one thinks you can really win you know, your funding is going to dry up and you're going to have to drop out of the race. And that's what happened to, you know, on both sides, Republican and Democrat, you know, particularly with these second tier candidates, their funding runs up, you know, dries up. You know, they don't get polling, so they can't get into the debates to do anything to, to better their, their uh, polling. And so they get relegated to the second-tier candidate status. And so that's probably what's going to happen to Asa Hutchinson. Um, I have nothing really against the man. Don't know too much about him. I can't name a single one of his accomplishments. Maybe he did. I'm sure he was a decent governor in Arkansas. But that's, yeah, I don't know. That makes you qualified for to run the country. But anyhow, he is now a candidate, and so I guess he can raise and spend money on his candidacy. So good luck, Asa Hutchinson. I think you're going to need it. Um, I think, you know, if Ron DeSantis gets into the race as expected, he may do so later this month. I mean, he has ten times more name recognition and he's actually done things that at least republicans and conservatives like you know he's made a name for himself um he's pretty popular he's probably the most well-known governor in the united states along with you know abbott and maybe newsom you know um this um asa hutchinson he will be i predict and also ran but, you know, about this time, you know, you had, lat or was it eight years ago, you had, um, you know, people start announcing for their candidate, candidacy for um, the presidency. And so we'll see. Uh, Marco Rubio, I think, announced 
sometime in April or May, you know, about eight years ago. Um, so we'll see. Um, anyhow, that happened. So take uh, from it what you will. Um, I don't think he's going to go far. Maybe he'll make a good Secretary of State or Interior or, or something in a Trump or DeSantis administration. But anyhow, um, like I said, that happened, and we'll see. We wonder who else is going to run. Of course, there's DeSantis. Um, Haley has already uh, announced, I think, and um, it was like Vivek Ramswathi, um I know I'm butchering his name. He also has announced his candidacy. And, I mean, sounds pretty good. They're all, you know, keeping their powder dry. And um, so who knows, you know. I think he's not, you know. I think it's it's a race for DeSantis or Trump to lose, basically, is what it's going to break down to. So, we'll see. There'll, there'll be a lot more. I hope there's not 17 candidates like there was last time back in 2016. Uh, five or six, you know, cut it off. You know, don't embarrass yourself if... You know, there's a short list of about five people, you know, who could be, who could run for president. And so three of those five, I would say, um, have already announced. And also, um, the Vivek Ramsworthy, um, I'm embarrassed to not know his name because he's actually, I've, I've heard, um, him speak and well on podcast and so he sounds pretty good and so uh just to be fair real quick i looked up uh who it was so i can get his name right or sort of right and i was i'm actually impressed i remembered it as well as i did his name is vimic ramaswamy and he is a um a entrepreneur, a, an American entrepreneur, and so um, he is an Indian American. So oddly, there's, or maybe not so much. There's two Indian Americans, him and um, and oh yeah, uh, Nikki Haley. Uh, so Nikki Haley is also. Uh, Indian American. Um, so there's, um, there you go. I think, um, looking good for Indian Americans. Um, of course we already have one sort of as a vice president. So looks like the, the, uh, political future is looking bright for, uh, Indian Americans in this country. So, you know, take that as you will. Um, not a bad thing. You have Nikki Haley and Vivek Ramaswamy. I've already forgotten how to pronounce his name. Sorry. But yeah, I've heard both of them speak, uh, recently about, 
their candidate sees and their ideas. And um, not too bad. I think the main thing that you have to do if you're a Republican candidate, you have to talk about draining the swamp. You have to talk about how you're going to deal with the deep state. Because the deep state is real. And it is something that any Republican uh, president is going to have to deal with. And so if you don't have a plan to how you're going to have to deal with and somehow get rid of the deep state, drain the swamp, or things of that nature, then you're probably not going to get the nomination this time around. So, but both of them do. I have no idea what Asa Hutchinson, um, since he just announced today, I think um, I don't know what he's all about, but we, I guess we'll find out. Um, so there you go. So the Republican field is starting to shape up. Um, I think if Ron DeSantis, if and when Ron DeSantis joins the fray, he's going to take all the oxygen out of the room. Um, so, but we'll see. And that's where we are right now on 2nd of April, 2023. So lots of campaigning, lots of news on that front to go. But there you go. So I'm going to leave it there for today. So thank you all um, for fans of the Dystopic Journal and fans of Liberty Relearn and the Liberty Relearn podcast and Liberty Relearn is having its 8th anniversary coming up on the 6th, so that is later this week. Maybe we'll do some more probably next week. Um, we'll talk a little bit more. We'll see what else. Um, we'll go into the Wayback Machine and talk about uh, prior postings and the first year earlier postings of Liberty Relearn, see if they're apropos to anything that's going on today. So thank you uh, for watching and listening to Liberty Relearn and watch and listen and read Liberty Relearn online at LibertyRelearn.com and at LR Podcast on Getter and me, JP Mac on Rumble and of course Liberty Relearned on Facebook. So until next time, stay healthy, happy, and free.